Journey into comics. Poor entertainment. Poor news. Foodies watching movies. Adulting 80s. Podcast read the voice of survival. Kids for sale. Gallif Radio. Bruise with dudes. Journey into wrestling. Journey into comics network. Journeyintocomics.com. Following the following journey into comics. 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 Network. 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 Production. Production. What's up, everybody? This is Chris from the Kids for Sale podcast, and you are listening to the Journey into Comics Network Best of the Week show, featuring highlights from all the shows across the network this week. So sit back and relax, and let this show drown out the sound from your kids for an hour. And here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Journey Into Comics. So a couple weeks ago, or last week, I told you guys that uh, Tom Holland's got a new suit for Spider-Man Far From Home, and he actually debuted it at Jimmy Kimmel Live and showed it off. It looks really cool. Like I was saying, it's the black with the red this time, It's so it's slightly different. Tom Holland also jokingly teasing that Thanos might be robbing a bank. So with Tom Holland being on Jimmy Kimmel as he was there, the question was asked, is this a prequel to Infinity War? Because, you know, the snapping had happened. We'd seen kind of Tom Holland fading away into nothingness. What's going on? So to avoid spoilers, he said, I think Thanos is robbing a bank now. He's poor now. Goodbye. And took off. So... I'm excited to see Tom Holland uh, as Spider-Man and see what they bring with this new movie. We, You know, it's crazy because I feel like when we go see Infinity War, we're going to get our trailer, our big trailer for Far From Home. And it's going to, like, not give us anything but give us enough to hype. And then when we see the movie, we're going to be like, oh, fuck, now I have to go see Spider-Man next month immediately. I'm so excited. So, to keep on some Marvel news, I wanted to talk about this. This was a very interesting article that stood out to me. I've got a couple more here. Uh, Deadpool star Brianna Hildebrandt credits Ryan Reynolds for the LGBTQ storyline. When it comes to superhero features, diversity is slowly edging its way into the front of casting and storytelling. As the public calls for more representation, films like Deadpool 2 have delivered... Uh, as the sequel featured an open LGBTQ relationship. And in a new piece, Brianna Hildebrandt credits Ryan Reynolds for her character's romance. Recently, she was chatting with Hollywood Reporter about Deadpool 2, and uh, Hildebrandt said it was Ryan Reynolds' idea to give Negasonic Teenage Warhead an adorable girlfriend named Yukio. I've had so many positive responses that actress gushed. It was Ryan's idea. I had already done a lot of work with It Gets Better, so I think maybe he had seen some of that. The response has been overwhelmingly positive. For Hildebrandt, the warm welcome has been uplifting both professionally and personally. The actress came out as a gay woman some time ago. She said previous interviews she was on board for Negasonic Teenage Warhead developing a storyline from the word go. Ryan just sent me an email and was like, how do you feel about this? Hildebrandt told Playboy earlier this year. And so that's great. I'm glad he asked me how I would feel about it. Obviously, I was like, I feel amazing about it. Let's do it. I'm glad that he asked me, though. I probably would have been like, wow. Uh, she, uh, One of the co-writers also said uh, that they ground Deadpool in real life. As outrageous as it is, Deadpool is a very, very grounded movie. 
I love Deadpool and Deadpool 2. I thought those movies were both fantabulastic. Uh, let's talk about this. So we were talking about what's going on coming up here with uh, <clears throat> what's going on with uh, next year, right? So we've got Avengers, Captain Marvel, and Spider-Man. But then the next year, 2020, we were supposed to be getting Guardians of the Galaxy. That is not happening. The newest update from Production Weekly reports that Guardians of the Galaxy is set to begin production February 2021 now. If you recall, the film was originally supposed to start filming early 2019. It's been pushed back by a whole two years. It's safe to say the new Guardians won't be arriving in 2020 as originally planned. And uh, the update suggests that it could be 2022 before we see this film's theatrical release, perhaps even longer. Currently, GOTG3 is still without a director since they uh, have pretty much made it clear that James Gunn will not be getting rehired, although they will be using his his script, his ideas, his concepts. I'll probably hire someone to almost do exactly a James Gunn movie. The working title for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is going to be Hot Christmas. And let me tell you, I just want to mention that if they were to do a Guardians movie and Guardians Volume 3 was like uh, a Christmas movie, I guess, I would fucking love it. I would mark out. It would be super fun to experience that world and like maybe Peter Quill has to go back to Earth to find family or I don't know. Who knows what's going to happen. We're going to just have to wait and see now. We're going to have to wait a whole hell of a lot longer. Sadly, you will not be getting a lot of coverage on the Guardians until, well, until they give us some big news that is worth reporting because right now we are going to have nothing for a while, a little bit of a blackout in the Guardians of the Galaxy world, which is sad to someone who's been a diehard fan since the very beginning of this movie's run and since the comics rebirth in 2014. So, and I mean, I like the earlier iterations, but I really like the 2014 run. Let's talk about Evangeline Lilly real quick here. Uh, Evangeline Lilly being one of the nicest people on earth responded to a fan aesthetic rose uh who had said to her i have to say a monologue about hope for school any on any advice on how i can really get into the character and evangeline Lilly responded saying hope wasn't born super she was born into a family with an arrogant and controlling father parents who were gone a lot but loving when they were there then her mother was ripped away from her at eight years old, and her father disappeared from her life. She made choices. She could have chosen many negative roads to take from there. Instead, she chose the strength and power of her mind. She chose discipline. She chose to achieve anyway. She chose herself, and she survived. And all of that was just prep for the moment in her life when she would reach her highest height of strength and forgive her father. That was her final gauntlet that pushed her over into super. Hope is like you and I. What sets her apart are her choices. Does that help? That's pretty awesome. I like that she uh, she responded, you know, and was like, hey, this is what I would say, or this is how I would get into the mind of that person, is that she was a strong character. Now this girl might have went to her class and slayed, and then got to also show her teacher, like, check this shit out, teach. Look what Evangeline Lilly said to me. Like, how's that for 21st century, you know, and modern technology? That's crazy. Oh, speaking of Marvel, 
Captain Marvel. The Life of Captain Marvel 4 just came out, and if you haven't read issue 4, here's some spoilers, and you have been, I'm going to warn you that there are some spoilers, so if you're into the comics, spoilers ahead. The previous origin for Carol Danvers becoming Miss Marvel was tied to her interactions with Marvel and the Psych Magnetron. Uh, but all that changes in The Life of Captain Marvel, Volume 4. At the end of the last issue, we find out that Carol's mom is actually a Kree warrior. And in this issue, we find out that her real name is Mari L. And that she trained with Kree from birth on Hala. She was eventually sent to Earth by Empress Pama on a mission to observe and report back. She was given an amulet that would cloak her true identity. The same amulet she turned off in the last issue. As they brace for combat with Kree cleaner, Mari L tells Carol her real name is Car L, and that she is the daughter of Hala by Bloodright and by Starlight. Uh, that means Carol is full-blooded Cree, which changes th- things significantly since her original origin was human and half Cree due to Marvel saving her from the radiation of the Psych Magnetron. It also changes the origins of her power. Mari L tells Carol that they're not anyone's but yours. They never have been regarding her powers. Carol says she doesn't believe in it, but Marielle says, but you feel it, light and power, speed and strength, because it is who you are. She also reveals that the Magnetron only activated her powers that were already there and didn't, in fact, create them. She goes off on to relay how she met her father and how they, how after they had Carol, she turned the tracking device off to hide away from the Kree. Now they're back to bring her in, but they didn't plan on getting a fight from two warriors. So they retconned and altered the uh, origin and reality of Carol Danvers in the comics. Meaning, folks, I want you guys to pay attention to this right now. Meaning it's very possible. When we see Captain Marvel movie in a few short months here, six, five months right as of right now, uh, when we see that movie in about five months, expect this to be her origin. Expect there to be some changes to her origin and Marvel doing that so that they can have some flexibility and make the story more workable for what they need. And sometimes I think that's interesting how that's been working with Marvel because with these movies, they write the comics differently based on the movies. I mean, they picked their Guardians of the Galaxy team, and it was similar, and uh, they use it in the comics. And then the only difference was they added Tony Stark to that run, and I was, like, hoping that Iron Man would be a part of the Guardians for a bit, and, you know, then he ended up not being, and I thought, man, Iron Man 3, how cool would that be if they teased the Guardians of the Galaxy at the end of Iron Man 3? They did not. Um, But anyways. You guys, here's a really interesting one. I'm going to have to shift gears. We've got a couple DC things and a Walking Dead thing before we get out of here. (gasps) Walking Dead news? Did Nate say Walking Dead news? I did. I totally said Walking Dead news. Uh, lucky for y'all, the Walking Dead news I have isn't spoiler-fied. It's just kind of an update. We're going to get into it in a minute. But let's talk about this. DC Comics has done something that is probably not permanent, folks. I'm just going to be honest right now. This is a temporary move to get fans talking. But Dick Grayson is no more. Instead, be prepared to meet Rick Grayson. Woo! As DC Comics fans know, in the recent Batman 55, Dick Grayson took a bullet to the head courtesy of KG Beast while Nightwing and Batman were talking with Commissioner Gordon on the roof of Gotham City Police Department. 
At the time, things looked pretty bleak for Dick, and while Nightwing 50 revealed that the beloved hero had survived the shooting, this week in Nightwing 51 reveals that the man who survived is insane. Nightwing 51 sees Nightwing a changed hero. He may not have actually died, but he's dead in a sense just the same. Having lost much of his memory and skills, as well as seen a major shift in his personality, Dick Grayson is gone, and in his place is Rick. Still a hero, just one with a different, well... Everything which should make for an interesting situation as Nightwing has more than just his own struggles to deal with. A fear germ is killing people in their sleep, giving the hero both professional and personal challenges to face. So, essentially, he takes a bullet to the dome. Kapow! And it changes who he is completely. And they're like, going to change his name. My name's Rick Grayson. Now, I don't, Dick isn't. I'm not because I'm not Dick. I'm not the same guy as Dick. I don't feel like him. I don't act like him. Why would I call myself him? That'd be false, right? I don't think it's going to last, though. I feel like something will happen to Nightwing. He'll get a potion or smacked in the head again, or, you know, Batman will, you know, give him some sort of crazy pep talk that'll alter his perspective. I don't know. Whatever it'll be, they're not going to keep Rick Grayson as what's going on. That's just ridiculous. Rick Ridiculous. So, uh, I thought that was an interesting thing. I don't, I just think they're trying to do it to get people talking, honestly. I don't see it lasting more than five or ten issues at the most. And we'll keep update, folks. As soon as I hear that Dick Grayson is back, I'll let you guys know and be like, hey, remember back at 214? Yeah, well, that's, uh, I, I called it. Uh, let's talk about this. I'm fucking most excited about this. Still talking about DC now. Gotham Star reveals glimpse of part of Bane's costume. Uh, Shane West, who is playing Bane in Gotham, teased uh, a picture which had me stoked. It's a picture of his lunch, and someone wrote on the box, Shane, or shall I say, Bane. But the next to it is like the, the fingerless glove that immediately makes me think of a badass Bane. And sorry... Tyler from Podcastrophe. Sorry to anybody who's a Tom Hardy fan. His Bane was horseshit. And I'm hoping that Shane West can actually solve the enigma that is Bane and make him a viable villain for Batman, a.k.a. Bruce Wayne, in the Gotham series finale, as this is the final year of Gotham that we're about to be stumbling upon here in 2019. I said I had some Walking Dead stuff for you. I've got one thing left. Uh, Walking Dead creator Robert Kirkman knows he's going to eventually end The Walking Dead. He just doesn't know when. This is what he says to Variety. He says, I know what I have to do to get where I'm going. I know the stories I ha that have to be told, the deaths that have to happen, the changes I need to make to push things forward and evolve. When I get to those points, I'll know it's time. I don't think anyone should have concerns about things wrapping up anytime soon. Kirkman has long pre-planned the books, often plotting out three or four plots ahead of wherever he currently is in the story. When you see the prison issue around issue 50, I already have the Hunters planned, and I'm sowing seeds to do that. The Walking Dead, which celebrated 15 years this past Saturday with the first ever Walking Dead day, isn't meandering aimlessly. Kirkman knows where he's going, but not how long it will take to get there. And he has at least 50 more issues worth of ideas and five or six more story arcs already in the works. I know what I'm building to, to eventually wrap things up. If I didn't have that, I'd just be twisting in the wind trying to lay track. I don't know if that's going to come in a thousand issues or a hundred issues, but I know what the conclusion of the story is and what has to happen to get there. The book's next releases, its 85th 
185th issue and a part of its 131st volume. Kirkman previously saying he strives to pull off a satisfying ending that the series and the fans deserve a conclusive endpoint. I do have an endpoint in mind for The Walking Dead, and I think it's uh, I think that it's my responsibility and the responsibility of all the writers on the TV show to the audience because they've been on this journey for so long. The Walking Dead isn't going to last forever. It might go on for many, many, many more years, but I don't think that anyone, or I think that anyone that's been on the journey for that long, they deserve a satisfying end. They deserve to know that the time that they invested in this thing was all working towards something. It was all building to some kind of reward. And I think to not have any kind of end goal in mind and not have a plan would just be terrible. You're listening to Poor Entertainment. With your host, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Andrew Poore. I'm going to apologize in advance. My voice is a little hoarse and I'm a little sick. Uh, it was my bachelor party this weekend, so things got a little crazy. And alcohol and cold weather don't exactly mix. So it's been a little bit of a recovery. So I guess this is day two of Sick Week on Journey into Comics Network. The home for... The shows I do as well as a bunch of other shows that you guys should check out. You can check out all of those by going to journeyintocomics.com or you can find all of your podcasts. As well as Podcast View, it's on its own independent feed that you can check out by searching Podcast V on Podbean and all those other podcasting sites, like I said before. But jumping right into the news for this week. It's been a big, interesting week for news in the entertainment world. And one for anyone who grew up at all in the last 50 years, involves someone's favorite big yellow bird. And that is that the big bird actor and puppeteer, Carol Spinney, is retiring after 49 years playing Big Bird, as well as Oscar the Grouch. Um, he's been that character since the program premiered in 1969. So that is intense. But I mean... You're in your 80s. You've been doing this for 50 years. I think that you're more than able to just retire, take some time, take care of yourself. Like, I am all for that. Um, getting into the article, uh, they put the news out on their public uh, Twitter account, uh, Sesame Street Twitter account, saying, uh, longtime puppeteer Carol Spinney has announced that he is stepping down from his role of Big Bird Oscar the Grouch. Spinney is pleased that his iconic roles will be carried on by puppeteer Matt Vogel and Eric Jacobson. Uh, Spinney said, Big Bird brought me so many places, opened my mind, and nurtured my soul, uh, he said in a statement. And I plan to be an ambassador for Sesame Workshop for many years to come. After all, we're family. But now it's time for two performers that I've worked with and respected and actually handpicked for the guardianship of Big Bird and Oscar the Crouch to take my alter egos into their hands and continue to give them life. For many Sesame fans, it's the end of an era for a man whose characters helped to define their childhoods. Spinney's five decades portraying the beloved characters left him in the shadows even as Big Bird and Oscar became famous worldwide. Big Bird visited China with Bob Hope in 1979 and even showed off his massive dancing skills with the Rockets and prima ballerina Cynthia Gregory. The beloved bird who stands more than 8 feet tall has been uh, uh, fed with a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, celebrated with his likeness on U.S. post stamps, and named a living legend in 2000 by the Library of Congress. Spinney embraced his avian avatar traveling the world, appearing in feature films, conducting symphonies in costume throughout the U.S., Australia, and Canada. He even met his wife of 45 years, Deborah, on the Sesame Street set in 1973. 
Sesame Workshop co-creator Joan Gans Cooney hailed Spinney for his turn as the curmudgeonly puppet in a trash can, Oscar the Grouch. Carol's been one of the leading lights of Sesame Street from the very beginning, she said. His genius and his talents made Big Bird the most beloved yellow-feathered friend across the globe, but the sheer artistry of Carol is that he also brought Oscar to life and made him the most lovable grouch in the world. The role about Spinney, who is also an accomplished author in visual arts, uh, acclaim. Yields four honorary doctorates, a Lifetime Achievement Emmy Award, six other Emmys, two gold records, and two Grammy honors. His life and career were documented in the widely acclaimed 2014 film, I Am Big Bird. Before I came to Sesame Street, I didn't feel like what I was doing was very important. Big Bird helped me find my purpose, Minnie said. Even as I step down from my roles, I feel I will always be Big Bird and even Oscar once in a while. They've given me great joy, led me to my true calling and my wonderful wife, and create a lifetime of memories that I will cherish forever. Uh, the show announced that Matt Vogel, Sesame Street's puppet captain, will take over the role of Big Bird. Oscar the Grouch will be played by Eric Jacobson, a puppet who also performs Grover, Bert, and Guy Smiley for Sesame Street, as well as Fozzie Bear and Miss Piggy for The Muppets. So that guy is definitely getting another famous character for his repertoire. So definitely kudos on a great career, uh, bringing two very iconic characters to life and joy to children everywhere. So definitely enjoy retirement, enjoying the rationalization. That's got to be not fun being in that big suit with your arm always above your head and all that other rigging and stuff to bring something that large to life. So kudos. Um, moving on from something else that involves TV, and that's something also Nate talked about on Journey to Comics yesterday, and that is that Netflix has canceled Luke Cage and Iron Fist, jeopardizing Marvel's ambitious superhero project. Netflix and Marvel need to start thinking outside the box before audiences drift away or Disney steals them. The more likely scenario. Is truth universally acknowledged when a company or politician wants to bury an embarrassing story? It's released on Friday afternoon. After most people have turned tuned out for the weekend, the practice has become so widespread is even as a name, the Friday Night News Dump. Netflix must really wanted to bury the news that it was canceling Iron Fist and Luke Cage, two of the four original TV series commissioned from the Marvel Cinematic Universe in 2013. Because news of the former broke first last Friday, October 12th at 9pm, and the latter didn't become widely known until this Friday night, this past Friday, at 10pm. Marvel fans should be worried the Netflix shows are not without their flaws, but allowing them to die would be a real loss for the genre. The timing is not great for Netflix, who just released the third season of the sibling show Daredevil on Friday, October 19th. The biggest problem here is that Netflix originally designed these shows to intersect, but has been inconsistent in doing so, leaving some storytelling feeling unmoored. It was an interesting experiment, but for it to successfully continue, Netflix will have to figure out a way for the various plots to stand on their own, and more interesting ways to get them to work together. If Netflix can't find a way to do this, Marvel's parent company Disney is liable to dominate the superior landscape on TV going forward, as their new streaming service becomes the much more family-friendly choice for Marvel starting in 2019. There are already Marvel Cinematic Universe shows on several different networks, most of which are at least partially owned by Disney. Netflix is the only non-Disney-owned company currently producing MCU series. This is due in large part to Netflix's unparalleled commitment to the Marvel community, as the ambitious slate of interlocking plot lines prove. The goal is to wreak an episodic movie franchise, but for TV, much like Marvel's Phase 1. Netflix's opening gambit featured a man in a red suit, taking on Vigilante Justice. The other shows simply echoed big screen Marvel archetype. Luke Cage was given super soldier serum like the origin story behind Captain America. Jessica Jones was offbeat as Thor and Iron Fist featured a lead who most complained was terribly miscast like Edward Norton's Hulk. Then the whole next link game got together in the Defenders and roughly formed a team like in the Avengers. The problem is for all its success, Neville hasn't been able to keep up with the Hollywood. 
The Avengers was the highest grossing movie of all time when it arrived in 2012. In contrast, the Netflix uh, show The Defenders was the first Marvel Netflix series not to even get automatically renewed for a second season. And by releasing no less than five months in the space of 12 months... Oh, and by releasing no less than five series in the space of 12 months, showrunners are clearly running out of ideas. Watching the episode of Daredevil Season 3, one can spot recycled plot points at every turn. This pro-prison stance echoes the Punisher that imagined it. Antagonists feel straight out of Jessica Jones, which was new, which was once new, it's started to feel repetitive. So what can Netflix do? One potential fix would involve shortening the seasons from 10 to 13 episodes to something more manageable. Too many of seasons have included what feels like two distinct story arcs, each of which run about six episodes long. The second seasons of Luke Cage and Iron Fist tried to move away from this formula, but Daredevil Season 3 once again reuses the format, which a classic pivot occurring in episode 6. Speaking of overused formats, basing the releases better should also be a priority. Even Marvel Studios only release three films a year, which is already so many MCU is regularly accused of saturating the market. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. I know a lot of people have said that with Luke Cage and Iron Fist both leaving, that there's a possibility of a Heroes for Hire series coming, or maybe even a cinematic version of that, or a cinematic version on Marvel or on Disney's streaming service, which would be an interesting option if they made an MCU film, but it was only released on the streaming platform. That would definitely give someone a an opportunity to be like, "Yeah, I'd be up for that." Sorry, my computer decided to make noise for you all. But like I said, uh, keeping up with the Marvel Universe, and that is some interesting news that I saw earlier today when as I was preparing this episode, and that is that Deadpool is Marvel's next Black Panther. I am speaking, of course, the comic world. I think if they tried to do that in the movie world, there would be an outcry for fans of Chadwick Boseman. So. But, hey, we saw him disappear. Turn it up, spoiler alert, for Avengers Infinity War. So, Deadpool, if I know, is still around. So, yeah, maybe he will be the next King of Wakanda. Marvel fans have only dreamed of seeing Black Panther and Deadpool together in the movies, but their comic book crossover proves that fight wouldn't go the way you might think. In the comics, their showdown is going to leave Deadpool sitting on the throne of Wakanda. Yes, really. It's one of a bond to drop on unsuspecting fans, and has come before the first issue of Marvel's Black Panther vs. Deadpool limited series has ever even been released. But before ones get worried about the twist of the series has been revealed, we should point out that Based on the other covers and tease plot details of the series, the level of insanity is high, even for Deadpool. <coughs> Still, the introduction of Pantherpool is going to have movie fans drooling over the cinematic possibilities. As for the question of just what brings these two deadly Marvel characters together, the answer is surprisingly sentimental. When a friend of Deadpool's ends up clinging to life and requiring a chunk of vibranium to live, there's only one place in the world for Wade Wilson to head, which also happens to be the kingdom home to T'Challa, the latest leader of the Avengers, who is unusually distracted on the edge of a scientific breakthrough. Sort of dragged, it seems, that the throne of Wakanda winds up under Deadpool's gloating gluteus. Take a look. Which you can't obviously see because it's a podcast. And it looks like a very Wakanda... Not Wakanda. A very Black Panther-looking Deadpool suit, complete with ears and the claws and the hands, but still very Deadpool in terms of the eyes, the katanas... Um, the belt, but he's sitting on the throne of Wakanda with three black, no, four black panthers sitting around him. So that's definitely a pretty neat looking cover. So we'll have to see what involves from this. Um, that was mystery of Deadpool's place of throne as well as Deadpool.
coolified Black Panther suit speaks for itself, but what makes the story even more exciting is the tease of the victim clinging to life. The one that Deadpool is hunting for a brain to save isn't just beloved by the Merc of the Mouth. Yes, even though the Avengers gave Deadpool an R-rated beating in his own series, the rest of the Marvel's heroes may actually be on his side in this conflict. Apparently, Deadpool and Captain America ended their romantic comedy dispute peacefully. If anyone's guessed how Deadpool manages to sneak T'Challa's throne out of out from under him, or how severely Black Panther beats Wade Wilson before he does it, all I know is that this series from late show writer Daniel Kibblesmith just got a lot more interesting. Both for the comics and the Marvel movie universe, after all, this MC version of Black Panther's throne Deadpool is sitting on. Oh, that is true. If you look at that picture, so... Man, that would be a really weird... But that would probably anger a lot of people. So, we'll have to see. But definitely, if you're interested in knowing about the story, definitely go to your local comic book store and pick up the issues. Because it looks like that series is about to come out, if not this Wednesday, probably the following Wednesday. And it looks like it's about a five-issue run, so definitely... It's a few bucks. It's less than the price of a pack of cigarettes or a cup of coffee, depending on what you drink or smoke. So, yeah. And keeping in the world of entertainment, this is kind of something that kind of blends the space between TV and movies, and that involves the Mark Twain Prize, which is usually given to a famous comedian like Will Ferrell has won it, David Letterman, there's been countless other comedic actors like Steve Martin and Bill Murray and all of them. So... The latest winner is Julia Louise Dreyfus, who you would know as Elaine from Seinfeld. She's also starred on Veep and has done uh, bit parts on movies and other TV shows over her illustrious career. And this is an article from the USA Today, and that involves some of the best burns from that night. So Julia Louise Dreyfus walked away with the Mark Twain Prize and a pretty good roasting by her fellow celebrities at the Kennedy Center on Sunday. Famous faces Jerry Seinfeld, Tina Fey, Stephen Colbert, Brian Cranston, Lisa Kudrow, Tony Hale, Kumal Nanjiani, Keegan-Michael Key, uh, Lana Glazer, Abby Jacobson, and singer Jack Johnson were on hand to pay tribute to Louise Dreyfus. Colbert kicked things off by highlighting one of Louise Dreyfus' lesser-known roles. He says, We're going to hear a lot tonight about our characters like Elaine from Seinfeld and Old Christine from the new Avengers of Old Christine, but I want to talk about another performance, one that truly speaks to me, the late show host said. But it speaks to a lot of people in this room, too. I'm talking about Julia's turn as Jeanette Cooper in 1986, Troll. Some of the basic writer, star, Kumal Nanjiani, also reached back into the archives, pulling out a photo from a GQ shoot in which Louise Travis appears to be hooking up with a clown. I'm seeing you explain this photo to your mom right now, Nanjiani assessed. I cannot believe it has not come up before today. Tina Fey made things personal. I've always liked Julia, maybe because I'd like to believe that we have a lot in common, Faye said. We both studied comedy in Chicago. We both lost our opportunity to Brad Hall, who is Louise Dreyfus' husband. After taking a beat, Faye added, Just me? Question mark. Faye continued playing homage to Louise Dreyfus' assignment with character. Julia made this bold choice for a character Elaine to wear long, loose dresses, flat shoes, and oversized coats, and a center barrette. Julia was letting us know that she was the real deal, comedy-wise, and she didn't need us to give us midriff for us to watch her work. Because here's the secret... Julia's not afraid to be unlikable, not on screen and not in person. Just try sharing an elevator with her. Larry Dave was not there in person, took jabs at the guest of honor via video message because he admitted he was kind of lazy. I want to congratulate Julia for this unbelievably prestigious award, the Seinfeld co-creator said, but I gotta say, the links that she went through to get it, frankly, I was a little surprised. The whole cancer thing? Cancer? Honestly, I gotta take my hat off to her. What a scam.
poor baby. I had a long weekend. He had a couple long weekends. And the topic we're kind of going to be discussing now, at least at this point, is the high school. The dreaded high school reunion, because that's where we were a couple weekends ago. Yes, that's where we went right after the last show we did. Uh, we, It was my high school because I am the old one in this in this relationship. Haha, ha. I've got three more years. Three more years. But I think you had a good time. I did. It's Especially since I don't get to see, like, a lot of the people from high school, from your high school, stayed around the area so you were kind of one odd, kind of an oddball where you went kind of far not far away but further away than other people did right i think of the people that were probably at my reunion probably 75 percent were l- relatively local yeah we're gonna if they left at some point for school they came back to the area right <laughs> and we were in that smaller where i was in that smaller percentage me and a handful of others that were that went away and just are back for the weekend. Mm-hmm. Or they still have, like, their parents <coughs> living in Danville or wherever. Right. I think a lot of people, they had... I don't know how many people actually stayed at, like, a hotel or anything. I know a couple I knew were staying with parents. And then I got to see a couple of my old friends I haven't seen in a very long time. And you got to meet them, too. And you got to get a taste of what I was like in high school, which is always fun. Oh, Yes. Especially when one of your friends was like, oh, I wish I would have just got a PS2 and called you two and we would have played video games for hours. I'm like, yeah, that sounds about what Andrew was like in high school. True, but like you but you had a good time talking to them. Especially because, at least even the ones that were like married with kids were still, you could see yourself hanging out with them. That's true, yeah. Especially, and you really liked my single, my one of my best high school friends and his girlfriend because they were still... Young-ish, and they lived well, in the city, and they're they're not married, which is nice because a lot of people that were there were married, and it was just very weird, like oh you're getting married, and it was almost like people were like, oh like kind of looking down on us because we weren't married. And I'm like, I well, I, I'm not ready yet. Sorry. I don't think it was necessary. I didn't, I didn't get that vibe. I got a lot of I don't have my kids tonight. I am gonna get so drunk. It was fun though, except for the fact that when. We went to the first event at the vo- at the bar that uh, I walk out of the bathroom one time and someone like had a trail of puke going. I'm like, is this a normal thing for high school reunions? I think it's a normal thing for that bar. Yeah, probably. It was a it was a definitely a hole in the wall. Very small for the amount of people that they were expecting. Mm-hmm. Like the next night when we went to a bar after the actual event, that bar could have held a lot more people, especially yeah. with the outside area if they had it well heated. But it was it wasn't bad. It was it was weird initially because you show up at an event and you see people that you vaguely remember but haven't talked to well in ten years. Like some people you haven't talked to since the day you left high school because you were in school friends only. Like you didn't talk outside of school, you didn't you had class together, like were friendly with them but had really no idea what was going on in their lives. And people change a lot in ten years. People put on weight, lose weight, lose hair. Get gray. Get gray. All of that. So, people are different. And then, some people might remember you more than you remember them. So, you have that awkward position of like, hey, how's it going? You're like, oh, it's great. It's great. And then you're like, I don't know who that was. Yeah, like you had a full-on conversation with someone and you he like was having this great conversation making me think, oh, he must have had some classes with this kid. And then he turns to me later as we're like getting our seat. He's like, I don't think I've 
ever seen that person in my entire life. I'm like, really? Your high school is kind of small. No, I really don't think I've ever met that guy. Well, like, I, didn't, I think I just don't, I didn't remember him. Like, he sounded familiar, but I couldn't tell you his name. It's awkward to ask the name. Like, we should have all had name tags on. It would have made things like, oh, yeah, it's, it's Bryson or it's Eric. Or it's like, oh, it's all these guys. Yeah, I remember them. Mm-hmm. Or it, like, it also gives you that sense of pause. Like, you almost pop back into your high school. Like, oh, I, yeah, it's weird. You, fear, you remember the people that were quote-unquote popular. Right. And you see that they're not really changed. Yeah, they're... Even though their lives have changed around them, they still have that same... At least in the high school reunion, they have that kind of thing like, they don't know what I've done since then. I'm still the popular kid. Even though they work a third shift gas station job with two kids and not a whole lot else going on in their lives. And you're like, oh, alright. Mm-hmm. But, I know that's kind of an overdramatic statement. But still, it's it you was could weird. Tell, you could tell who was popular because there was this very long video at the dinner. And if you saw most of their pictures... you. I got the sense that they were probably very popular. Well, it was most of the people who were actually planning it. Cause I think most they were the ones who actually had pictures to put in. Mm. And the one picture I sent in didn't even make it in. I was like, well, fine. So well, that sucks. What the heck? I don't know. What I'm, did? What was their criteria for that? I don't know. It was like a 20-minute video. So. I know. It was kind of boring. Especially for me. <coughs> I mean, at, at our table, the people we ended up sitting with, like, there were the... The girlfriend slash wives were not Danville alumni, so it was kind of boring to sit through a slideshow where you saw, you know, you saw your significant other maybe once or twice, and then that was it. And you're just kind of bored after that. I mean, it was nice because, like, it's like some, like, like, um, Tanner and his wife, who Mm -hmm. who we've met before... Like, you got to see them, like, back when they were little high school sweethearts, like, my senior year. And they're like, ah, ah, now they have two kids and a happy marriage. Look at them. I thought they had three. No, just two. Oh. Or, like, the homecoming. You got really excited when you realized the homecoming, or the prom king and queen or were married with kids in real life. Because that never happens. I it mean. Was, it might have been homecoming. It was one of the two. That never, well, the problem, we couldn't have that happen at my high school because the prom king and queen were both gay, so that doesn't really work. They couldn't get married. Well, I guess they could have, but I don't think they would have been very happy if they did. An elaborate beard. Yeah. And I don't even remember who was our homecoming king and queen my senior year. It's one of those things that it was not any one of my friends or anything. No one I really knew was on court, so I really didn't care. I don't know one thing I always thought was really weird when I was in high school is that at the prom, like at the ceremony where they crowned the king and queen for homecoming and prom, last year's homecoming king and queen would show up and like pass the crown down. But it's like, those people are like in college. They just came on a random weekday to do this little ceremony and got dressed up. I'm like, yeah. how many times did like people like, I really have to come to this? I'm sure that's especially because you're just starting out in college. I feel like that's a very common sentiment of oh really i have to go back perks of not being the prom or homecoming king and queen right i'm perfectly content with never having to deal with that the one thing that was great and that's something we talked about on an earlier episode is that liz actually danced at the 
they the, had good music. I'm sorry. That's no, it's something that, like, if they have good music, yeah, I'll go out there and dance. But if they don't, then I'm not going to do anything. Right. But I mean, and it was good. It was music that we both liked and were both familiar with, even though it was music from... 2008. Well, not all, not all of it. There was some newer stuff than that. But for the most part, it was older music, but everyone knew the dances for it. And everyone, there was Soldier Boy. There was, like, Doug, the Dougie song. There was other dance songs, plus, like, newer stuff. It was all... Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Sorry, but it was just—I I liked it. It was a nice chance to get away and kind of see people you're, you got to haven't seen in a long time and will probably never see again. Because I don't know how many people. Cause I feel like you don't. There's not a 15 year that, that people typically put on. So the next one's probably the 20, and who knows if I'll come back for that or where I'll be in my life. I'll be even able to, but it's—I don't know. Well, I'd hope you'd be able to. Well, not I, like you're. I don't know, dead or anything. No, I meant like, like I could be somewhere living somewhere else where it's not as convenient, or I have work things. Because some people wanted to come to the ten year and couldn't do it, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like the further you get out from the ten year, the less likely you're going to keep up with the people you were in high school with. Yeah, like if you aren't still talking to them, you're probably going to remember less and less of them. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like that slideshow, like they played, would have made more sense like a twenty year because of how much time had been separated from when you were actually there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the only thing that stinks is, so I'm friends with a lot of people I was friends with in high school still, like we still talk and hang out and whatever, and I really want to go to my tenure, and I don't think anyone's interested, and I'm trying to convince them that it's fun. Well, I haven't really had a chance to talk to them about all this hoopla of tenure, and uh, I kind of want to like, I don't know, play it up. It sounds, it's it was a good time. I had a good time, and... It was fun because I could drink at it. And a lot of people were like, or um, actually one of Andrew's friends, they were talking to the pro, or the homecoming king, and they were like, you guys have never seen me drink. And then the homecoming king kind of chuckles, and he's like, I've been drinking since, since high school. And some of the people, just seeing like the people like, oh, the I've been drinking since high school, or oh, I didn't start till college, or oh, I don't drink at all. Right. And then, also kind of funny because you're like, Someone said you were giving us shots. It's like, you want shots? Okay, let's have shots. Mm-hmm. Liz got involved in her shots with that same guy who, like, it's like, I'm going to buy you a shot. And then, like, later it's like, here's your shots. You want one, too? How about you? Okay, six shots. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. Like, you could definitely tell the parents because they started buying shots for you. And we're like, yes, perfect. When they start buying you drinks, just say, okay. They're enjoying themselves when they're away from their kids. They have a babysitter, maybe then overnight, so then you don't have to worry about going home early at all. So they're just like... I am free, I can sleep in tomorrow, life is good. Mm-hmm. Or you have, like, someone who's, like, um, one of my old high school friend's wives who's like, I have to be able to work at 1am. I'm like, are you insane? You're drinking right now. Yeah, but she did end up stopping, which is That's good. true, that's good. I just cannot believe one in the morning. I could not do, like, a one in the morning start time. One to seven. Ugh. Like, if you, I bet if your body adjusts to it, but, like, I would be useless during most daylight hours if I had that kind of job. hmm I am useless during those daylight hours. <laughs> well, I, I meant, like, the like the rest of the day. Like, when you're off work, I would still be... I would sleep all of normal day... Like, you're all... right. Sorry. I, that was a burp... Cough burp thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's I'm, gross. I'm not... I'm just dying. It's fine. Yeah. This is That's what happens when Andrew has time. too much fun. I had a lot of alcohol and a lot of cold weather. Yes. And it just wrecked my immune system. Yeah. But Andrew gets sick a lot. I don't... 
You get more sick than I do, and I'm a teacher. True, but I think you bring it home. Well, I can't help that. You get, your body's used to it because you're around them all day, but you bring it home to me, and I don't. I'm not as used to it as you are. Eh, after ten years of teaching, you'll be fine. Yeah, by the time, yeah, by the time you're ten years into your career, I think I'll be used mm-hmm. to it too. My one of my coworkers at work, whose wife's also in education, d- says like, "Yeah, you get it brought home, and it just invades your house, and then it gets goes away." But you get better as life goes on. I'm like, well, that's good to know. At least I didn't bring home like MRSA <coughs> or like uh, flesh eating bacteria or anything like that. that would, Not yet. That would be terrifying. And please don't do that. I won't. Like staph infections or whatever, all that stuff that was spreading. Or They had lice. Last year there was a kid who had lice and they were out for like a month because they couldn't. Because like now the lice are so um, immune to some of the other treatments from the past that you actually have to go to a louser. And like, you, I think it's like a hundred and some dollars for someone to literally pick out the la- the lice. So it's no longer like head. the so it's small no comb in the shampoo. Right, it doesn't, the shampoo is not as effective. And it just depends on how, um, I guess, how bad your lice gets. Also, you probably just, just, like, drowned it. Like, dip your head in water and let it just sit there. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, lice are very interesting. Yeah. Not that I want any, because I get, never got lice. Don't get lice. Or any other Mm-mm. problems like that. Yeah. Kids, right? Mm. Yeah. But thankfully we don't have them right now, so we don't have to worry about it. Mm-hmm. Well, you also had a fun weekend doing bachelor party stuff, so he's been all Andrew it's goes been... to party. That should be our <laughs> that should be our title. Andrew likes to party. <laughs> Andrew gets Andrew had too much party and now is dying. Yep. So what did you do this weekend, dear? I um a couple of my really good friends uh organized a a batch party for me that involved us. It was actually like a four day affair. It was Thursday. Thursday was night a, until really Sunday. It was a some, beautiful weekend. It was a nice weekend. <laughs> so, yeah, Thursday I um, went up to the Wisconsin Dells, stayed at one of those resort water park things, which was pretty fun. Got to swim and do a bunch of, like, water slides and stuff like that. When you say it like that, it makes you sound like a total noob. Well, like, I not, just, I did all the stuff that I was when I was a kid. No, I went to the water park. And... Well, I mean, it's like we're all kids at heart, so we... You get to have a little bit of fun, and then we'd leave and go drink, go to a bar, go to a strip club, go to a brewery. We had very adult things, like the like Uber driver that picked us up from that. It's like, I usually don't get a lot of people picked up from here to go to the strip club, and we're like, yep, that's what happens, and then off on our merry way. We're gonna we're fuck gonna, the sodomites in, in the... They just they just need to they really need to nail down the writing and they need they need to set a course. I think they need to quit rushing. Well, that's what that's what I'm getting at. They need to set a course and they need to ride the wave. Mm-hmm. Just let it happen. Don't try and compete with Disney. Advertise your own brand. Say, hey, you know we really enjoy the Disney films, the Marvel stuff. Check out our stuff when you're not watching their stuff, and fans will go watch it. Well, we've talked about this too. Is like. You've got all the big names in superheroes. You know. You're on at, par. At this. Again, I mean, like, when you think of a superhero, though, most people probably think of Batman or Superman or Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. So, 
Like, you have those big names. You have the draw. So, as you're going into your universe... You have to throw Spider-Man in there, too. Well, Spider-Man might be the only one... That's legit. That is, like, a legit, like, up there with those three. I would say prior to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, yes. That's what I mean. Now, not so much. But that's where I'm getting at. These characters that have been established by the Marvel Universe now are going down. Because that that phase is over. Mm -hmm. Like... Captain America is going to be the Winter Soldier soon, so... Maybe. Or it could be Falcon. Or Falcon. But people aren't going to care about that as much as... Chris Evans. Chris Evans. Robert Downey Jr. will probably be stepping down as Iron Man soon. Oh, yeah. Contracts are up. Those characters are going to be done. Yeah. So, like, they're going into the next phase with the next heroes, like Doctor Strange, Captain Marvel. Ant-Man. Those aren't as big of names as Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman. So... Just but let them been, do their thing. But they have been built up to be. They have, and people are excited for them, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But just let them do their thing, mm-hmm. and then just make a good movie. <laughs> yeah, that's all we ask. Because all you got to do is you make one good movie. Like, look at look at how well Wonder Woman did. That might have saved Justice League. How many people were not going to go see Justice League because of Batman v Superman? Yep. Uh, I mean, oh. I was going to see it regardless. A whole lot of people, though, probably were like, no. Oh, for, well, not even just Batman v Superman. Man Look Steel. at just Man of Steel. Like, people did not want to see another Superman movie because they didn't like Man of Steel. And Man well, of Steel Superman, wasn't even that bad. Superman would never demolish a city. Well, I'm sorry. Like He kind of does sometimes. He does. <laughs> like, that's his thing. Like, he's trying to save people, but at the same time, like, he just doesn't acknowledge the fact that there's collateral damage. Like... He's the golden boy of superheroes, but there's all the fucking people that he's killed in the background, and no one ever wants to acknowledge that. Man of Steel and Batman vs. Superman acknowledge that. Yeah. They address it, yeah, for yeah. sure. Like, just like, those two movies turned people off so much that Justice League probably wasn't going to do very well. Mm-mm. And, I mean, financially, it didn't do that great. And then you throw in, but you then know, you all said, the hardship on top of that. Yeah. And then you had Wonder Woman, and all of a sudden people were like, wait, we might have hope. They are capable. Yeah. <laughs> Wonder Woman was a good film. It yeah. was, yeah, I, I really dug like, it. Like, from the coloring, like, the mascara, bright and colorful. She goes to Man's World. Oh, it's the muted colors again? That makes sense, though. The muted colors of fucking war. Yeah, it made world sense. War Chris Pine's character, fantastic. So. The cinematography in that movie was fantastic. Like, yeah. it suffered from every superhero movie's flaw of the final fight between the main villain like the final fights in every superhero movie are all the kind of like eh. so you either get but something man, fucking wonder woman versus aries man my fucking dick was hard the whole time so <laughs> professor lupin aries yeah. yep <laughs> professor lupin aries yeah. yeah so i mean like i don't he know does a, he does a voice in big mouth now oh does he oh my god season two <laughs> i was like that voice sounds so familiar and i looked it up and i'm like Holy shit, it's Lupin. <laughs> I don't know how we got onto this. I know we were talking about, like, Arrowverse people. Yeah. But, uh, like, I don't know. There's just... Please make a good movie, DC. Well... I want you to so bad. <laughs> here, here, and this Hire was, me. I'll write the goddamn thing this for was, you. This was the, the point that I was trying to nail home. Like, you have cast... You, you have reached the level where you're on par with Marvel. You have cast the people that need to fill that role, that are the only people that are going to fill that role. 
just write good material and yeah. and they will come people will come and watch the films that's all you have to yeah. do you have half of the battle won already i'm gonna say you have three quarters of the battle won because not only do you have the cast but you have the budget the budget and the characters yes like it's not like you're trying to fucking push booster gold on the fucking right. people. Which God, you're, I wish they would. You're not doing. You're not doing some Blue Beetle shit. Like I fucking love Blue, booster gold. Blue Beetle's one of my fucking char- favorite characters in DC. I don't need fucking Blue Beetle on the silver screen to make me want to go see a DC movie in fucking theaters. Yeah, I mentioned sure. Power Rangers earlier. You yeah. guys excited for Power Rangers too? I haven't seen the first one, so have they started? They haven't, but I just it's got to happen. Oh yeah, is it gonna have Brian Cranston in it? Uh, at least a Zordon. I yeah, mean. he'll. I mean, he'll make a prior appearance as Zordon, but that, they be... tease Tommy Oliver coming finally. Yeah, I've seen that scene at the end. Um, Green Ranger for life. Fuck that White Ranger shit. I was um, I was a big fan of the original Red Ranger. Jason was my dude. Like that was my favorite. You're a Jason guy and not a uh, fucking Rocky guy. No, fuck Rocky. <laughs> fuck Rocky. Well, Rocky I should have paid him, and they could have kept Jason. No shit, right? But uh, Trina ends it. Mm-hmm. Trina, rest in peace. R.I.P. But uh, I haven't seen the first one. I'm I'm gonna watch it eventually when when I'm when I go down to the Dollar General and Amazon. grab me a red box. It's on Amazon Prime. Yeah, you're on Amazon Prime. But um, God damn, God damn, <laughs> <Fuck>. <laughs> got him. Um, I just fucking hate Brian Cranston so. He's honestly not a huge character in it. No, he's not. He's in it. <laughs> he's in it. I fucking hate Brian Cranston. I understand this, but I'm just saying he's not in it that much. Just like Godzilla. Ooh, dude, that, that was such a letdown. <laughs> not for me. You know what? Krispy Kreme is in the movie more than Brian Cranston. Yeah. 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 That's not a joke. <laughs> That's not a joke. But uh. <laughs> Yeah, Power Rangers. It was a fun movie. I want to. Oh. I'm excited for that. So I had a topic. Does it relate to The Walking Dead? No. Does it relate to superheroes and Power Rangers? No. Do you no, want us y- to get on another tangent? No. We're we we got to seriously dive into a topic. Okay. Uh, so I'm gonna go ahead and stop the recording. Stream's still gonna go, and we're gonna start over with the recording and record a new video. Okay. So let me ask you this. Are you going to readjust those waveforms so you're going to be able to fucking, like, casually be able to tell the difference? I'm just going to skim through it. <laughs> okay, so no. I'll do my thing. Let me do my thing, Tyler. All right. Why don't All you right. just place a marker? Spread your wings. All right, so. Now we're recording for the Game Addicts Extra Life uh, stream two weeks from now. But... They're going to be watching it, so they're seeing it now. Uh, I'm going to text you the minutes. You're going to, you're fine. I got this. No, I'm going to I... text you the minutes to help you. <laughs> like, if you don't want me to help, I'll just fuck off. Do what you got to do. Fuck off, Dad. But So we are recording for the Game Addicts pod- podcast. Uh, Brando and Mike are probably eating now. They need some food. Uh, so we're going to allow, allow them to do that. While we talk some Assassin's Creed Odyssey, mm-hmm. which I've been wanting to do this for a couple weeks now. I'm so sorry. Uh, you said... <laughs> Thanks, Matt. <laughs> you uh, 
you sent me a 17 minute video mm-hmm. that was comparing it was two people comparing Odyssey to Origins and long story short they they went over like all the the pluses and the minuses the cons and the pros the shortcomings the the positives of both of these games and it it turned out that like they're they're pretty much at a standstill from the both of those people one person was like yeah i still favor origins and the other person was like yeah i still favor odyssey it was you and i that's why i sent you that video oh, for after sure. i watched it absolutely everything that person a said <coughs> was in favor of origins which is me and everything that person b said was stuff that you and i had talked about which is in favor of odyssey yeah so after I watched that video, this is the whole... I mean, this is verbatim the conversation that you and I had already had. So, that's why I just sent it to you to reaffirm that yeah, it was Origins cool. is a better game. Um, it was definitely more in-depth than our conversation. Like, I had barely even got... I had barely even played the intro level to uh, Odyssey by the time I had watched this... By the time I had watched that video. Um, or by the time we had the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, the video brought up some really good points like i think i like the combat and origins more yes but in the end i overall i'm still liking odyssey more than i liked origins uh i liked like the i like i just like the setting more honestly i figured that's that was the biggest thing it is you. the biggest thing uh i'm liking the characters more although bayak is a really awesome character i Bayek like this. is a leaps and bounds better better written character than mm-hmm. Uh, are you playing as Cassandra or Alexios? Alexios. I'm playing as Alexios too. Alexios is a very well written character. Bayak's story is hands down better than Alexios's story. But it's the it's it's the it's the age old fucking story of fucking oh my kid got killed. I'm gonna go fucking get some vengeance. It's a yeah, vengeance but, story. But man, it was good. It was good. Well, what I played, I played about halfway through the game. You need to finish it. I will eventually. Because uh, when you get to the end game stuff, your opinion of that game will change. Okay. But it, it, the game itself just grew stale. I found myself doing a lot of the same shit in every city, and every time I found a new target, it's like, all right, now let's let's go around, fucking do some bullshit. Oh, this person's in trouble. Better go save them some from some fucking hippos. But here's the thing: Odyssey's no different. Honestly, no. You're right. I've played, but I've, it's I've not played stale about ten, to me. I've played about ten times more of the game than you have. Yes, you have. So I'm I'm an end game already. That's awesome. So um the story is good. Mm-hmm. Uh I would say Has your opinion changed much? Mm, not really. I mean, it has on a few things. Uh, the over. I'm gonna try to avoid spoilers because I th- I think that's that's our goal here. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I don't. I don't, at least don't want anything spoiled for me. Right. That's where I'm as, at. Yeah. There's there's a lot of twists and turns that come through the Odyssey story that I did not expect, which I have really really enjoyed. Bayek's story from start to end. I would not have changed anything. Yeah. As far as the main story. Where Odyssey takes the cake is side story. The side story is so much more in Odyssey than it is in Bayak's story. In Origins, 
the side story literally is just side stuff. Like, hey, if you want to do something else, if you occasionally want to run into a character that you recognize, that's what you do. It's, yeah. it's just to kill time. Seems like Fallout 4. A little bit, yeah, for sure. Um, in Odyssey, it's total opposite. 90% of the side stuff that I have done, which is... Every location that I go to... Peloponnesian War stuff, right? Well, I mean, not all of it, but a That's lot of it. That's what I love about this. This is the Peloponnesian War. Fucking Sparta versus Athens. Um, Fuck yeah. Well, I mean, it's... Yeah. I mean, it's not just Sparta versus Athens. It's one league. It's Sparta versus... Uh, it's the, what, the fucking... Um, Delian League versus the... Something else League. Sparta and Athens and all of their subordinate nations fighting each other. Yeah. But uh, all of the side story stuff, which I've done 90% of it, because before I ever touch a story mission, I do all of the side quests in every location that I yeah. go to. So um, there's a lot of location. Not because I'm a completionist by any means. There's but so much. There's so much. The only stuff land. that I don't do in Odyssey is the underwater shit because I don't want to spend 10 minutes fucking swimming underwater and fighting sharks. So I got tired of that the first time that I fought a shark underwater. How many chicks have you banged at this point? Every one that I've encountered that I can. <laughs> I've banged and I banged a dude. Two, banged two. And I banged a dude. You banged a dude. Good for you. I did. Nice. I had a, I had an orgy with a dude. Oh, what's wrong with being childish? I like being childish. Before I go, I just want to tell you you are fantastic. Never trust a hug. It's just a way to hide your face. That's the exciting thing. Nobody in the universe can do what we're doing. Why are you pointing your screwdrivers like that? They're scientific instruments, not water pistols. Gallifrey! Yes, this must be where I live. So I started looking at the lineage of Doctor Who, and I was like, oh my god, they had one called the Three Doctors. I must check this out. Like, what is this about? And it quickly became one of my favorite story arcs because it's actually really really clever so i suggested it it to was you. great i loved I wanna, it i want to i want to really dive super deep into this and kind of go over the whole thing so uh, did you want to consult the book yes consult uh, the manual. do you want me consult to consult the, the manual i can read it or you can read it you read it this more... this book was your find so okay. with our, our little copyright what was it 1972 73 wait it was uh, 76 was my guess let me see oh no we're both right 72 but then this this one was 76, so I have the reprint. The reprint. I do not have a first edition, guys. Sorry. I love this book. We still have Second to post edition. a picture of it yeah, oh, for everybody yeah. to see. Yeah, for this one, since we're actually reading from it. Good idea, good idea. Cool. Okay. So I wish you were wearing your glasses while that, you read this. This is an incredible cover. You guys are going to love it. <laughs> it's super retro. Okay, well, this is from The Three Doctors, 1972-73. That's what it says in the book I'm reading from. Four episodes by Bob Baker and Dave Martin. Okay, I'll read all of these things. And then this is what the book has to say, the synopsis from the tome. The energy of the Time Lords is being drained by a mysterious black hole in space. And a cosmic ray research balloon brings back a blob of animated gray gel, spelled with a G, gray gel, which dematerializes people on contact. It expands and besieges the Doctor and Joe in the TARDIS. The only way the Time Lords can help is by sending the Doctor's previous selves. The brains of the three Doctors discover the incidents are caused by Omega, which they pronounced Omega. 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 
Omega. Omega. Omega but it's spelled Omega, like the, Drama. the Greek symbol. A, who is a bitter time lord trapped in a universe of antimatter for thousands of years. The three doctors cross the time bridge and rematerialize in Ome- Omega's world of antimatter. They destroy Omega by making him a supernova, and the three doctors return to their rightful places in time and space. <laughs> that's uh, that's what this book has to say. So you, she just said time bridge, and it made me think of one of my favorite quotes from this, which was from the first doctor. So one thing to mention is the first doctor is never actually on the TARDIS or with no. the other two doctors. He was actually very sick when they were filming this. So mm-hmm. they filmed this from his house on green screen stuff and, and, and imposed him on the TVs. But they explained it by saying he didn't have. They didn't have enough energy, energy to get him there because the time he got lords, stuck in the TV. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the the time lords, like they say, this thing. The time lords were up there, uh, and they were getting their whole energy drained by this black hole. This energy caused that was by equal Omega. to and in opposite opposition to is what they say exactly. Uh, their own energy, and they say, whoa, whoa. How could somebody match some? Because they're stuffy. They're the greatest beings in the universe. The bureaucrats. Yes. How could anything match them? How could they? It must be another time lord or something. It must be something of equal power to us. So they were really freaked out. But they send the second doctor with his little flute, his little recorder. Patrick I love him. I loved him. Oh, he's so sassy. He just wants. I think stupid little bowl cut. Yeah. Loved him. Yeah, I think it's better with music. I love that. Yeah. But of course. Yeah, it's precious little recorder. I see you've redecorated. I don't like it. I don't like it. Yeah, yeah, that's that <laughs> happened in this uh, episode arc too. Because he sees yeah. in he's in the third Doctor's TARDIS, which is different than his. Yeah, that's just the next regeneration from him. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's like, Damn. I don't like it. Disappointed in his older self. <laughs> yeah, that and was... then they bicker and fight the whole time. I loved it. Yeah, yeah, it's super like an funny. old married couple, even yeah. though it's just him arguing with himself. Yeah. And the fucking brigadier was just like, this is nonsense. I don't believe it. Oh, yeah, He's that's like right. the straight man from Monty Python sketches. Yeah, he is. Like, what, what is this nonsense? This is silly. And that's important. This is too silly. That's yeah. important to note, too, because <laughs> too the brigadier the brigadier meets the second doctor when he first meets any form of the doctor. Right. That's the doctor the brigadier And knows. then when we are this deep into John Pertwee's series as the doctor... The Brigadier is a fixture in the season. Yeah, I mean, right. he's in every episode arc and often used. Yeah. So, he's really an a companion, though. He's just like there. He's a, the head of unit. He's yeah, the Brigadier. Yeah, you know? he's just a. Uh, he's just- the brigadier so he is constantly like this yeah. isn't real you aren't the same person and it's funny because up and until a certain point they're never in the same place at the same time right so the brigadier is almost in his head like he can change his face whenever he wants this is nonsense he's just trying to screw with me right like, that's more <laughs> like, silly like that's more reasonable to him than there being you two know, of them yeah. that are, or that it being the same <laughs> crossing time, time streams arguing exactly. with themselves don't you know? cross the streams or or, or yeah but Anyway, so the episode, they bring the second doctor on the ship first to help. And then they say, oh, we need more help or whatever. It's clearly not working. So they try to use the remaining bits of their energy to manifest the first version of the doctor to go to go help them. But that's how they explain him not actually being there is because they don't have enough energy left to get to him all the way there, get him all the way re. Re, not regenerate. I know how you would describe that, but just rematerialize. I guess like mm-hmm. re reborn, temporarily Tempor- displace him. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah that's it. They didn't have enough of their energy to do that. They only had enough to get like a, you know, him from the TARDIS going on the screen into the new TARDIS. Exactly. So he's just on the screen of the TARDIS, but that's he's like you said at his home sick or whatever it was. Yeah. And so he wasn't able to do the series. But I love that line. He says, "What's a bridge used for?" Eh? 
Yeah. Cross it. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. He's, he's just, just like, so sassy. Like, come on. Yeah. Yeah, he's like, come on, dumbasses. Just do it. Just yeah. figure it out, guys. And that's like and his do. advice. And then they do. And they figure <laughs> it out by putting their three heads together. That's what's so Contact. funny. I love. Context. Yeah. And then it's like this <laughs> weird like visual mishmash of all the doctor's faces. Like, you know. Like, yeah, it's great. But that's how they're thinking. They're like, oh, of course, that's what we'll do. You know, right. and they come to the Contact. conclusion. Everybody's Contact. just staring at him like, okay. I think that was some sort of telepathic communication. Yeah. Thanks, Joe. Jo she's so precious. Joe yeah. is the best. Yeah, she's super cute. She's definitely <laughs> an underrated companion. Yeah, she's great because she's also smart. Yeah. But she's just like his little pet. Yeah. And she just like, the <laughs> and he just looks just at her like, all kinds of weird stuff. Yeah. And she's just like, all doe eyed, just looking at him. Like, right. Well, and he tolerates her as his yeah. little pet. And- yeah. <laughs> thinks she's adorable right oh him in his velvet suits and his cape oh man john pertwee's hilarious i know so pertwee's pertwee's doctor goes into the black hole and he's gonna go face omega Omega. omega 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 and omega knows that he's the doctor he's gonna try to convince the doctor to help him to to live forever and to get out of this mess that he's in being Mm -hmm. stuck in this Pocket. He just wants to leave. Yeah, he just yeah. wants to get out. He's like, dude, I but just want to get the fuck out of here. He's like, and then kill you all. Can, yeah, yeah. He can do stuff from there, but he can't leave there, right? He's like, kind of he create. He has the energy to create the whole world around him. He's kind of like yeah. uh, Quill's dad almost. Yeah, yeah he is. But he's like, like he in this goes. antimatter. But he created his own prison, right? Because he can't leave. Yeah, man, a metaphor mm-hmm. for life, you guys. Damn, right right there. You know, oh my god! You manifest your own destiny. But while that's happening with the third doctor, the second doctor is getting captured with one of the uh, army guys, one of the unit guys. I can't remember which one his name was. It wasn't the brigadier. I don't know. But then they, uh, he, Omega, doesn't know that the second doctor is a doctor yet. And then finally it's revealed that that's what's the case. And then he says, here's my real plan. I have to give my mask up to one of you to become me so I can get the fuck out of Dodge because I want to go not here, anywhere but. Uh, but he... <laughs> when they take the mask off. Oh, yeah, that was amazing because they take the mask off and it's like the back shot and it's the doctors reacting. And they're like, oh, my gosh, this is the most terrifying thing I've ever seen. You know, <laughs> it's not the case. Uh, because there's nothing to be seen. Because he's not even there. He's not even there. And he they say, exist anymore. don't you know, Omega, that... You're only alive because you will it. You're yeah, only alive yeah. because you will it, which was an amazing thing. But also, <laughs> he had talked about how being up there with the antimatter, it would slowly dematerialize you. Right. And he yeah. thought he was protected from it, but in reality, it had long destroyed him. Right. He no so idea. he was just his own consciousness yeah. animating a, a metal suit. And the only way that he could ever be free was to be killed. Yeah, yeah. brutal. Oh, what a great like story, though. Yeah, like it sounds great, but then yeah. you watch it as like this one act play oh. or this several act play, and you're like, oh, it's damn, that's tragedy, some cheese. You guys. The that's drama that of it. Yeah. The overacting. I am. Oh my god. It was great. <laughs> yeah. Cannot be. Yeah. Oh <laughs> my god. Yeah. <laughs> it was insane. I loved it. When I highly recommend everybody watch Old Who. You'll dig yeah. it. It is absolutely fantastic. Um, I don't know how much time we have. Well, right um, now. um, we're we're still doing okay. Okay, I found 
something interesting in this book. Maybe sure. we read it today, maybe not. We are talking about the three doctors, but apparently there's, let's see, one, two, three, four, five. Like It's like six pages here, but it's it's synopsis of the three doctors. Like the fr- it's, Oh, episode it tells by episode. You about, well, no, it tells you about the actors and stuff. Oh. It's a synopsis of that. So Do you want to read it? I have not read through it, but I can read it right now if sure. we want to okay. so that everybody listening has some idea of who these people are, I guess. It's, we'll Who's see. who? We'll see what Who's it is. Who? But this is chapter five entitled The Three Doctors. And this one is The First Doctor Who. Oh, they call him Doctor Who in this book. The First Doctor Who, which actually we don't like that now. The First Doctor is what we want to say. Right. But it says The First Doctor Who was William Hartnell. And it says, William Hartnell became an actor at the age of 16 when he joined Sir Frank Benson's Shakespearean company as a general dog's body, callboy, assistant stage manager, property manager, and assistant lighting director. Do a lot of things before you do a thing, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes he was allowed to play small walk-on parts, and in two years with that company, working day and night, he learned a great deal about the theater and about acting. The age of 18, he started to tour the country as an actor, playing in theaters the length and breadth of Great Britain. Then he started to get jobs understudying in London's West End theaters. In a stage play, all the actors... Oh, they tell you what a stage play is. This is kind of for kids, but kind of not. But it says, in a stage play, in parentheses, all the actors and actresses have understudies who have learned their parts. If an actor is taken ill, the understudy plays his part that night. So if you didn't know what an understudy is... The more you know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, we're, we're on this book journey together, guys. Okay. So he became known as an actor of farce. He understudied such great actors as Ralph Lynn and Ernest Truex and then played their parts himself when they, when their plays left the West End and went on tour of the provincial cities. He got into films in the 1930s, playing comedy parts in quickies, short films made very cheaply in two or three weeks of filming. For his first leading part in one of these films, he was paid 60 pounds. Today, an actor playing the leading part in a film would be paid thousands of pounds. However, uh, this was 1976, of course. <laughs> However, or 72. However, his whole acting career changed in 1943 when the famous film producer Sir Carol Reed asked him to play a tough army sergeant in the film The Way Ahead. This film was er- enormously successful, and so was William Hartnell. But it meant that for the next 20 years, no producer could forget the way he played that tough army sergeant. He had become typecast and from then on was offered only tough guy parts such as sergeants, prison officers, grim detectives, and criminals. Even when he started to work in television and got into the very successful Army Game comedy series, he was not allowed to play a comedy character. They made him the tough sergeant major. Then he landed a part in the film This Sporting Life. Verity Lambert saw the film and was greatly impressed by Hartnell's performance. She decided to ask him to become the first doctor and contacted his agent. The agent telephoned Hartnell and told him, I wouldn't normally have suggested it to you, Bill, to work in children's television, but it sounds like the sort of character part you've been longing to play. Hartnell wasn't too keen on the idea, but he agreed to meet Verity Lambert. He said of that meeting, the moment this brilliant young producer, Miss Verity Lambert, started telling me about Doctor Who, I was hooked. From the very first, he was sure that his series would be successful. William William Hartnell played Doctor Who for over three years, finally retiring for reasons of health. He spent the last few years of his life in a tiny country cottage in Mayfield, Sussex. During those years, people still wrote to him as doctor or called him at his cottage to see him or called at his cottage to see him. Sadly, he is no longer with us, but part of him lives on in the immortal Doctor Who, the character he created so brilliantly so many years ago. That's what they have to say about William Hartnell. Oh, that was great. That was nice. Yeah. His is probably the 
Well, I say they're about they're about the same length. They talk about each doctor. Are we interested in the other two doctors? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so William Hartnell and the three doctors. The second doctor was Patrick Troughton. So adorable, adorable. Him and his uh, yes. it's a recorder. It's a recorder that he plays. Mm-hmm. Okay. So here we're going to learn about Patrick Troughton. Patrick Troughton was born in London in 1920 and was educated at Mill Hill Public School. He started his career by going to the Embassy School of Acting at Swiss College in London, which was run by Eileen Thorndike, sister of the famous Dame Sybil Thorndike. I guess she's famous. He won a scholarship from there to go to the Leeton Rallius Studios for actors at the John Drew Memorial Theater in Long Island, USA. He was in America when the Second World War broke out and returned to Britain on a neutral Belgian ship. It crossed the Atlantic safely, and then just off Portland Bill, Portland Bill, inside of England, it hit an enemy mine and sank. Troughton was one of the lucky ones to escape in the lifeboats. Holy shit. Yeah, wow. I didn't know that either. Uh, he, joined the, he joined the Tunbridge Repertory Company in 1939 and was acting there for a year. In June 1940, he joined the Royal Navy. First, he was in destroyers, protecting the East Coast convoys from enemy submarine attack. Then he was transferred to the motor gun boats and was given his own command just after the Allied invasion of Normandy. He was demobilized from the Navy in March 1945 and joined the Amersham Repertory Company. Troughton first got into television in 1948 when it had just started again after the war. Since then, he has played an enormous number of dramatic parts on our screens. He was making a film in Ireland called The Viking Queen when he, asked if he would like to, when he was asked if he would like to become the second Doctor Who. At first, he didn't want to do it. He felt it was not the right type of part for him. Whenever possible, he watched the show with his children, and he loved the way that William Hartnell played the Doctor. But it was not, he thought, right for him. Still, the BBC managed to persuade him, and he accepted. The next question was, how was he to play the Doctor? Why not play it like Charlie Chaplin, said Cindy Newman, the BBC's head of drama at that time. A sort of cosmic hobo. (laughs) (laughs) And that, in fact, was how Patrick Troughton played Doctor Who for the next three years. (laughs) Of his time as the Doctor, Patrick Troughton says, Of all my years as an actor, I think these were the happiest. I particularly enjoyed acting with Fraser Hines, who played Jamie. We never once had a crossword all the time we worked together. Aww. Also, Innes Lloyd, the producer, when I started, and Peter Bryant were great to work for. I had a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. In return, Patrick Troughton gave the millions of viewers a lot of fun. He was enormously popular as the doctor, but after three years, he felt fir- very firmly that enough was enough. Patrick Troughton had always been, and always wanted to be, an actor rather than a personality. Someone who could transform himself completely, get under the skin of many different characters. You see, you can see, ugh, excuse me. <coughs> I could see that about him. Sorry. I needed to probably drink a a little drink of water. I will do that in a minute. Okay. His interpretation of the doctor was only one of the parts within his range. He left the series to return to a more very world, varied world. Patrick Troughton still turns up regularly, regularly on your screens, but it's quite possible such as his acting skill that in some snarling villain, sympathetic hero or (laughs) richly comic character, you won't recognize the man who was once Dr. Who. It's time for Brews with Dudes. Ah, juicy. Here we are drinking coffee stouts. Here we are drinking coffee stouts. We've stepped up from the doctor's concoction. I hate my life. 
Whoa. That tastes like you're drinking cold brew coffee. Yeah. That tastes like cold brew. Man, that, that is so fucking good. That was really smooth. I, uh, I worked at a coffee shop for a very long time. I had a lot of cold brew back in my day. That tastes exactly like cold brew. I barely taste that alcohol. So so I will delve into this. Um, unfortunately, this is another forehand, so it is out of St. Louis, which was my fault. Sorry, it's guys. okay. Um, it's okay. But still mighty tasty. Um, this can, it still has that matte texture to it it's i love not, it i love it, it it is really cool um i can't tell what it says above moroccan though what does anybody have any no no it looks there's, like there's no maybe, indication maybe it, i think it's zellage maybe zellage moroccan what z-e-l-l-i-g-e that does sound that looks about right Zellage Moroccan coffee style. Nick's grabbing uh, the smart computer. It, uh, it actually kind of reminds me of a. Uh, it kind of reminds me of like this like seventies vibe from it with like the different patterns and the shapes and such. The can is all orange with black accents. Um, Y'all see when uh, when Nick posts a picture, but I, I'm seeing here now. It's brewed with coffee, cinnamon, ginger, nutmeg cardamom black pepper and sea salt it's full of flavor this it's is really good so good dick do you like it not being a black coffee uh, or a black stout person? i'm not gonna say i like it but i'm gonna say it was really smooth i will say that i liked it so i can't much for coffee there drinker. If you want. i can right. i can taste the pepper i can too it's nice. It's a nice flavor, though. That's the thing that I like about it. Is again, I'm not. I'm not like an IPA or like. Well, this is a stout, actually, and I, 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 I probably Correct. will be the first person to ask this <laughs> since we're on the subject already. What's the difference between like a stout, a lager, a you know, an IPA, some such, so forth? I'm gonna bite the bullet. I'm gonna ask because you guys know way more about this than I do. Once again, thank you for asking the impossible questions. My, You're so welcome, Doctor. My, I'm not as intellectual on this as Nick is um, but my um, I believe it comes down to more like the malts and the actual brewing process behind it what hops you use grain. absolutely yeah that makes sense that's pretty much that's yeah. pretty much it yeah you fucking idiot jeez but it's, it's, it's a matter it's, <laughs> I mean obviously more, <laughs> more more specifically it's it's just exactly what you attribute to each kind of beer if you're drinking a stout you expect it to be have a dark Darker. or a rich flavor. An India Pale Ale. You expect it to be um, lighter or hoppy, bitter. Um, and I mean, we. I'm gonna have to spend more time in the R and D department <laughs> and to give you like really really specific examples. That fucking um, R and D department. It, it, but I will. Just... I want. I want to quickly confirm uh, that it is Zellage. Good. It cool. is Zellage. Good on you, AJ. So, oh, Zellage Moroccan coffee stout, and my God, this is! I really like the uh, the promo that they put out for it when it first came out. Oh, that it's, is that is it, really cool. The beer can is covered by all the different things that were involved like, in it. It looks like a coffee zen garden. And they're trying to they're trying to play off of the can that they use. It's yeah. it's supposed to be a very 
kind of a native no, kind of on. like all, a. All of the promo is all of the stuff that they used. That's what I'm saying. That's ginger root. That's, that's what I'm nutmeg. saying. That's cinnamon. Or what? What? But they did got. it. Just look at that. Look at the can. They yeah. did it. They tried to put the ingredients in the shapes yep. that they were using for the can. So, so got, it was a very thorough. Beans. We got the cinnamon. The ginger. We see the nutmeg in there. It's a very thorough marketing campaign by Forehands. Anybody familiar with cardamom? I have no idea what cardamom is. Hmm. I'm going to go contact that R&D department and uh, find out what cardamom is. Super computers. Yeah. Now, this is this is really good. Um, when was this? I'm trying to figure out when this picture was actually posted. October 23rd. So this is actually fairly new. Um, it's only been around for a couple months. So I wonder what makes it Moroccan in their eyes. Uh, apparently, cardamom, also known as cardamom or cardamum, is a spice made from the seeds of several plants in the genera Alateria and Amomum in the family. Oh my god, there's a lot of big words that do not, <laughs> are do any, not sound right. Uh, are any of those things based in Morocco? It's based in the Indian subcontinent Bhutan, Indonesia, and Nepal. Okay. Yeah, wonder, science, bitch. I wonder and if they used eighteen calories uh, for a tablespoon. I, I wonder if it depends on where they got their actual coffee beans from. That that oh is God. a good point, Brett. That's a good point. That might be where the coffee came from. So so Nick has just shown me a picture of a peanut butter chocolate milk stout from Forehands called Absence of Light, which sounds amazing. And then what was the last one you had just shown me? It was uh, the Porter. I don't remember. Looking on these pages, I'll I'll see like other beers that they've put out, and I'll from, just shove it in it everyone else's faces so we don't get to talk about it. I meant to bring. Oh, it up. the Mud Monster. Yes, Mud Monster, peanut it, butter something or another. It, I don't mm. know. If that, I don't think that was a peanut butter one. This one was the peanut butter. Um, look up the Mud Monster again, real quick. But come that, on, that, come that peanut on. butter style looks really good. Um, I've I've really enjoyed all the brews we've had so far. Yeah, we're we're killing it, honestly. These are these are really really good beers. I'm glad with my haul. Let's give a quick shout out to Brett for supplying us with the entire episode's Ooh. worth of beers. I will toast to that. Mike. Thank you, Brett, for the brews. Mike, Mike clap. <laughs> now you gotta get you you gotta do the, and you gotta do the, one the clipping clap. begins. <laughs> <laughs> Man, our editor is going to hate us. Oh, wait. <laughs> Ooh, super, hey. super Flare India Pale Ale. That's another one on their page. That looks amazing. For uh, reasons oh I will gosh. explain later. Nick, we're going to have to take a trip to St. Louis. Yep. Like, St. Louis is to, fun. We're going to have to find like a concert or something. St. Louis is a lot of fun. Oh, to that where, won't be hard. That won't be hard. Where we, can, we can go see a great show. Maybe get a couple of the bros to go in and get a cheap hotel or something for the night. See a great show. Get some great beer. I don't think we have talked on the show about our next adventure. The uh, one coming up tomorrow. Uh, no, no, we we did bring up. We're, so yeah, tomorrow we're going to. Uh, um, we're going to four fifty again to get the super nugget bros. You did bring that up. Sorry, but we are in uh, February. Brett and I and our friend Chris Piot are going to see Protest the Hero. Yes, on I'm their, jealous. It's their second date. It's their second date, and it's their 10-year anniversary of their album Fortress. I am not going to lie. Pretty, pretty jealous about uh, Protest the Hero. I've uh, Brett actually introduced me to that band, and I was just like, oh, these guys are really good, and he just told me, yeah, Nick and I are going to go see them, and I was just like, fuck. 
Yeah. But, yep. uh... Damn it. Yeah, that was, I mean, it was it was pretty good beer. I really like that beer. This coffee style yeah. is pretty is pretty tasty. It's also it, kicking my ass. I'm not, I'm, not a, um, I'm not a big fan of the spice. Um... It does kind of have a little bit of spice. It's a little, it's a little too spicy for me, but it's there is so much flavor going on. I can definitely taste the cinnamon, definitely taste the coffee. But I, I made a uh, a pepper beer, the ghost pepper beer. Yeah, and Ooh. it is. It's a doozy. I've it never is an had any ass that. kicker. It oh. is so spicy. It's like it's really. like biting a pepper. You, you drink really. it and you're like, oh no, what have I done? You can't I'm have curious. more than a half pint. No, like, I've never you, had it. If you it. drink a half pint, you're satisfied. And so even you're by saying, the end of it, I don't mean I don't mean to interrupt right. you, but so you're saying that nobody like has anybody had more than half pint? No one's drank a whole bottle to my knowledge because it's we put I think two or three ghost peppers in it. And it's just an ass kicker. I challenge this. Yeah, I, I, I mean, will, you can probably go I, put one I, in I the fridge. I could do it. I could go do ahead. it. Like, it's not... Like, okay, I love spicy food. I'm a big spicy food guy. So this beer, like... It wasn't overly spicy for me, Nick. But it had that kick. It's a huge it kick. It had that kick. And I I would not in... The beer was great. And I, I wish we could drink some right now. But I would not want to drink a full pint because by the end of it, your stomach is going to hate you it's, no matter it's, what. It's so full. It's a very full beer. You only have to – you seriously just need to take a shot's worth of it to get – I to would get, say a couple to get that sips. feeling. It, it, it goes down your throat and it lines your throat yep. and it hits your stomach and it fills your stomach. It's, it's powerful. I remember the first – I'll call it negative review I ever got of one of our beers. We're at, uh, it was LaffyCon. Yeah. And we had a booth set up and someone walked up and tried it. And they come back about 20 minutes later and they're like, hey man, I just, I just want to let you know that that was, first of all, the worst beer I've ever drank. Ooh. And it's arguably the worst thing that's ever been in my mouth. <laughs> oh, ouch. And you know, okay, so speaking of LaffyCon, like, cool. you came on stage during the Journey into Comics uh, live uh, recording, and that you brought up, that was one of the beers you brought up. Yeah, And Nate loved it. I, I like it. I, I really like Nate it. Loved it. I, I really I loved it. it. Try. It wasn't I re- bad. I refer to it's it as a splitting beer. It's a novelty beer. Yeah. Yes, exactly. You, you're yeah. not. You're not going to drink multiple multiple bottles of this stuff you know it's a it's a it's a thing you tell your buddy you're like dude i got this beer that's got ghost peppers in it want to split it yeah that's what it is to me i like making beers like that it's it's not a beer it's not a beer where you go we're getting fucked up it's and it's not (laughs) and it is not for the fainted heart it is it is a mean one it was decent though yeah i liked it I definitely dig it. Real, real quick, not to uh, not to get too jumpy between topics and stuff like that, because I I can be like that sometimes. Just jump, jump off the platform. We're right, going immediately. Just right. dive, swan but dive. We're done. But we're done. We're done with the ghost uh, pepper. How much uh, does the Super Nugget Bros cost? When you I guys... believe it's going to be somewhere near eighteen dollars for a four pack of sixteen ounces. But so that I... is, yes, you can definitely give me money. The plan is that's going to be the beer for New Year's. I'm going to go and I'm going to buy probably a case of it. And then that and the Johnny Walker Blue are going to be our drinkers for the night. 
Because I would totally, I would totally like, I mean, I mean, okay, nobody on the, nobody listening to this can see it, but I'm wearing a Super Mario Bros. shirt, and yes. I'm going to be wearing this when I'm drinking that Super Nugget Bros. Oh, yeah, dude. It looks. And I'm going to enjoy it. I think it's a double dry hopped IPA. I think that's what it is. And it just looks amazing. It's, it's going to be, it's going to be really, really <laughs> awesome. I gotta say, now that I walked away from my mic and didn't drink this beer for a second, I definitely have the residuals of that black pepper spice behind it. It's, it's hitting, it's hitting my, my palate really hard. I'm definitely noticing In it. the final couple drinks, I'm like, mm. Exactly. I was gonna say, as I'm, as I'm hitting the corner of my glass, like, just got down to the very last bit, you can definitely tell there's a lot of, a lot of pepper to it, but it's still... I don't know. I still really enjoy this beer. Oh, this is good. This is a beer that I would go out and like purchase myself and be like, "Yeah, I just got off work, six o'clock in the morning. I'm gonna drink a beer before I go to bed." This one would put you to sleep. No, I, I, fact, I, the next one is gonna put us to sleep. I don't enjoy. think I could drink more than a can of this. I know that we split split the can between two people, but I think I'm, I'm pretty satisfied with the half. The half that I got. I don't know if I could drink much more than that of this at a time. I could totally understand that. I could probably put down two. I don't think I would want to put down two. I would not. I'm satisfied with one. 